everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode uh, 562, recording today on Wednesday, the 12th of December. That's right, the 12th of December. Uh, one more show. Is it one more show? Yeah. Uh, 19th. Yeah, one more show before Christmas, and then we take a break, and we're back on the 2nd of January. Uh, so, uh set your diaries and whatnot um this is a music technology podcast we talk about all things to do with music technology software synthesizers instruments recording touring uh studio stuff live production all of those things and we've got a bit of an exciting uh happening today because uh, first of all we're starting we've got mr rich hilton from uh, chic who is currently actually on the tour bus live from the tour bus I'm disappointed that we're not seeing the chandeliers and the uh, the swimming pool and the helipad there, Rich. I mean, I guess the, perhaps that's not so. You, you're on your way to... Where are you going, Rich? I'm headed to Glasgow. Ah, OK. So quite a long journey. So you're on cellular data in the UK, which is a very ambitious uh, target to go for. But so far, so good. There it is. The, the said MiFi. Rich, of course, uh, playing keyboards with Sheik. Uh, how long are you on the road for, Rich? We've been out uh, a bit over two weeks, so we've got about 10 days to go. Right, OK. So uh, right up until the Christmas thing. Are you back for Christmas at home? Excellent. I'll be, I'll be home. I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> oh, the Chris Rea. You're driving home for Christmas and all of that stuff. Anyway, Rich, um, I'm going to turn you down while I introduce everyone because obviously we've got the background noise, technical limitations. So thanks for joining us, Rich. Uh, we've also got Mr. Gaz Williams, who's there in Bristol. Uh, new mic today, Gaz. Is that a 414? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've used this a few times, but uh, yes, I know I've had it a long time, but um, it's... it's got uh... a, it, it, looks, it looks quite authoritarian, doesn't it? It's got square <laughs> and chunkiness all about oh, yes. it. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, no, 414 is classic. Ooh, actually... Hi, there we go. Is that better? I just realised I was in figure eight, but um, I don't know. They make that much. Yeah, you seem but... more focused. Ah, cool, cool. <laughs> what you're saying has just seems to have more, uh, just have more concentration to it. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, yes, very good. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Um, kind of just bracing myself just to get through the dreaded Christmas phase. I really hate Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a bit oh, grinchy? Oh, massive Grinchy, yeah. It just um it's just it just gets in the way. I've got so many projects on and it just gets in the way. I'm just like oh well, I try to and then it's not it is all right really, isn't it? I mean I'm just It's nice it. when it stops and you can just kind of chill for a bit. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm yeah. looking forward to the week off between Christmas and you. Anyway, Gaz Williams bass player, uh <laughs> music technologist and various other things. Uh, Gaz is kind of come and see us, I think, later in the week. Are we gonna have a look at Cubase ten? Yeah. And also we have Mr. Dominic Hawken, uh, Dom Hawken. Uh, the lights are on in the studio. So they are. Actually, is that, are those um, Arturia colour bursts you've got on the screen behind you? Or are they your own, very own? No, colour? they're just uh, Mac-owned built-in ones, I think. It, uh, it upgraded to the latest OS and suddenly those appeared. So I'm still going through just to make sure everything works. But uh, Yeah, always a scary thing. So how's everything going with you? When do you, when do you, it's good. Um, when do you stop? I don't really start. I do love Christmas just to make up for Grinchy Gaz. Um, but it's really good in, the, in in this house. Christmas is really great. But I work from home most of the time anyway. The studio is here at my house. So um, I don't really stop. And it's nice to kind of pack a lot in. What I do like about Christmas is that just for a couple of days, everything completely just quietens down. You've got a complete excuse to do absolutely nothing but eat. Uh, but no, it's been good. It's been good. I was ill last week. I was really gutted. I missed the talk uh, about 
relaxation stuff because that's yeah. what I've been doing almost know, nonstop. Yeah. Um, that was a real pain. But this week I've really just been doing the deluge update. We briefly mentioned just before the, the show started backstage. Um, that was a really, really good update. We're getting um, kind of waveform views, um, auto sampling, multi sampling, like amazing stuff. If you put point a folder with a bunch of auto, a bunch of samples in it at various pitches of a piano or whatever, um, and press go, and it senses the pitch of all the samples, lays it out across the keyboard for you, and, and you're there. You can go in and change it as well, but literally, flat it a bunch of samples, and about two seconds later, it's all laid out. That's a, a beta software at the moment, so. I think if anyone wants to check it out, you go on the Facebook group and they can help you out. You um, can ask, and also, yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's like a beta group on Facebook, but you just have to prove your own one, I think. Um, and Aparillo, I don't know, I mentioned it very briefly. This is, I think it's out as a, as a VST. So on, Sugar Bites. Um, yeah, this is out on the iPad this week, and it's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. It's like, I don't know if you can even hear it. It's like um, sounds a bit like Rich's bus machine. background at the moment. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if I can find something a bit more impressive. Um, it's like it's kind of like a film score in a box. Um, oh, neat. Obviously, nowhere close to where tires, you know, with the, with the strings and stuff. I'm talking about sort of Blade Runner esque textural kind of patches and textures. It's quite incredible. I've never heard an iPad sound quite like that. I'm sure Gaz will have probably checked it out as well. But uh, really, really impressive. So it's all been it's been Aparillo and, and Deluge this week for me. Wow, sounds like fun. Okay, well, um, I, I did forget to mention, of course, uh, Isotope will be joining us a little bit later on with a uh, prize uh, for Isotope RX-7, their excellent audio uh, restoration suite bundle. And, of course, uh, Synchro Arts will be letting you know uh, about their sale, which is on until December the 16th, where you can save up to about 37.5% off uh, three of their major pro- well, their major products, uh, which are kind of uh, Revoice Pro, Vocaline Pro, and Vocaline Project 3. That's SynchroArts.com. Okay, well, let's get stuck in. What's the first one? Oh, yeah. Now, this is, this is interesting. So uh, this is another Kickstarter. This is uh, Modal, Craft 2, launched yesterday. This is their little... We, we had a, a preview of this, so this is a little monosynth with eight oscillators, wavetables three ADSRs, two LFOs. It's actually quite accomplished. I sort of built upon the DIY one that first came out that I think people were a little bit reticent because it was just snapped together circuit boards. It looks like it wouldn't be that difficult to break, whereas this is a bit more of a you know, Volker sort of styling, I suppose, and uh, uh, in terms of ability. So I won't show you the whole thing, um, but um, the interesting thing about this, I mean, this A, you know, yes, the synth, so this sort of craft synth is actually... Like the sculpt, oh, it's just going up as we speak. Like the sculpt, it uh, it, it reached its goal in 24 hours. So this one, uh, they they were aiming for 50 grand, and they got 55. Uh, and you know, all well and good, all fun. I mean, I guess you, people might be interested in that. But the the more interesting thing for me about this is the way things are going. Well, the way that things might be going. I don't know. I'll start with. Um, let's go with you, Rich, because then I can turn your mic up. To, the, the whole I know we could Kickstarter, you know, there's all the caveat emptor, it's the sort of the project may or may not be uh um may not come to fruition, you know, there's all the risks of investment. But I wonder whether we're heading towards a situation where there are trusted companies and they just go via this because where you know, if you know that you're gonna pretty much fund yourself, you don't take the risk until you've until you've funded where does this leave the distributors? Because distributors, like music stores, are going out of business left, right, and centre now. And I can imagine music stores even 
contributing to Kickstarter campaigns so that they get the stock early. So they end up supporting the products that they're going to get in their shops. It just seems like a really interesting new model is emerging here. Well, and music retailers do participate in online sales, uh, both through eBay, through Amazon, and a whole bunch of other ways. And certainly they don't have the little websites as well to support the retail operations. And I don't think this is actually going to spell the demise of retail. However, I do think it's interesting, and I think your point is well taken about cutting out the middle man. And obviously, uh, Modal would have a tremendous amount to lose by failing to deliver on something for which they collected money. So people do, because they are a known company with some lose by screwing up, people would have perhaps a little more faith than if one of us advertised a you know, yeah. candelabra set or something. But, um, and it sounds great. Now, prop, they must have been very successful. They must be very successful with this, and I'm, I'm glad for them because it's kind of cool products, although I've never operated one and wonder about having all of these multi multiple parameters on maybe 10 knobs but that don't change their label. But I'm sure you get used to it. I'm sure you get fast on it. It sure does sound nice. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think it's, it's it's interesting though, Gaz, isn't it? I mean, whatever you think of you know modal products or whatever, I mean, just this whole notion of moving to directly to communicate with the customers, and then essentially the the stores become customers of yours just like everybody else, and then they invest because you know they could, you could buy ten or twenty of them. I mean, some it doesn't happen so much on this one, but I know on Sculpt there were you could buy ten packs of things. So you end up in a situation where you get that the kind of dealer discount, and you also get the stuff in the stores before anybody else. Because these these do go to dealers anyway, but it just means that you get the kind of exclusivity. I suppose it's an interesting idea. <clears throat> yeah, that, <clears throat> and it just really works as a promotional kind of campaign as well, doesn't it? Because over the, I mean, how long has this got left to run? It's got a while, isn't it now? Um, so it, it, it's it's January like the ninth. Whole... Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and actually, I mean, we haven't actually touched on the price of this. I don't know if there's any of those early birds left, but they were like 99 quid, weren't they, I think? Um, they may all be gone now, but I think the next tier no, up there is are, they're, they're not, There are still some, actually. There are still some 99, 108. Which, you know, uh, I mean... Non-EU, 108. Uh, so the EU is, yeah, mm-hmm. that's in the US. 119 if you're in the EU because uh, of the AT. Oh, gotcha. So, I mean, um, it's... Uh, it, it's a very compelling product for that price, isn't it? I mean, when the um, when the, uh, the the craft first came out with the, like kind of clipped together one, um, you know, there was a lot of issues with that. I think you know, sound wise, I think was good, but um, you know, it was it was just like the weight of the cable drift across just... the table, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things like that. And and I mean, like following on from the the sculpt, there's a really strong visual identity. I mean, there was a strong ident- visual identity with the craft version one, but unfortunately, it was not a very nice visual identity. So this one now is uh, is a really it, it, it it's very distinctive, and as as well as as you know and as many people now know that these new generation of models sound very very full and rich and don't sound like in any way a budget instrument uh and i think that the guys there at modal have done a really great job of making uh, an intuitive interface too I, I love the way that the led lights kind of can work to uh because those endless encoders whichever yeah. that you adjust 
more so more so on the sculpt i would say i think it's a little bit more finickety on the on the uh, on the craft synth too but that's you know it's cheaper so okay yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's packed full of stuff, isn't it? And it's also going to have the uh, the same type of editor as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, oh, so this has slightly changed the topic. Of, uh, I was talking more about the synth here, but um, I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, like the Kickstarter thing definitely is uh, is a is is a, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because people are kind of going to think. Is this product ready for market? I mean, it is absolutely ready for market, though, isn't it? It purely is. Um, using well, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose the thing is, is I suppose the thing is, is the other thing to point out is, you know, obviously that we got a Kickstarter the other day, which is like I don't know six months late or whatever. The point is, if you get to that situation where you got your chops together, so you go, the Kickstarter ends on this date, then we know after that it's going to be exactly this amount of time because they, I think they pulled it off with sculpt. In fact, they were a bit early with that. So, I mean, whoever it is that does it, if you can get that, you know, Kickstarter ends, products ready, and you can just go, and there isn't any holdups. I mean, there are always holdups, but if you can be kind of pretty much do what you said you were going to do, then it starts to become very viable and people just kind of go, yeah, all right. Because, I mean, essentially, you know, most manufacturers are going to be giving X percent, I don't know, 20, 30 percent. I don't know how whatever it is, some variant of percentage to a distributor and then to the retailer. This way, it just goes direct and they're cutting out that kind of thing. So, I mean, it must be very appealing from a manufacturer point of view to do it this way as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, So yeah, totally. So, I mean, um, but... Uh, do we know what do we know about um, so modal all, all the, the the craft and the scope? There are going to be they are just going to be available yeah, yeah. in regular yeah, yeah. mainstream. They just shops start on well. Kickstarter. Yeah, start this way. <sighs> well, yeah, it's good, good, I suppose. But I mean, you know, as I say though, the synth itself. If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out though, because it is. Um, yeah, it does sound pretty some, nice actually. Yeah, so and there's some interesting ideas, isn't there? On the you know, it's not just like a standard subtractive synthesizer. around well. I guess it is, but no. Well, it's a, yeah. It's a wave. It's got a bunch of W O two stuff waves in there as well, and whatnot. And it's got that really nice. Uh, even though it's digital distortion, it sounds. I mean, because we I used one when we did our little jam thing at the uh, event, and it, it sounded. Mm-hmm. Bit, I mean, I didn't hear what it sounded like on the PA because I was behind it, but I think it was. There's plenty of stuff there, right? Mm. Do you think though that doing this is going to sort of um, make the brand appear more? You know, like because they were originally top you know, the top draw yeah top you know very yeah, expensive, I don't know. high end i don't know i mean that's it depends on what comes next i suppose i know dominic i mean you know you you have a background in entrepreneurial kind of endeavors <laughs> i mean the kickstarter route does that make the most sense i mean it's the least amount of risk until you actually have to press the button because if you don't get yes. the money you don't have to do it exactly it's the least risky but there's a huge amount that don't get to raise the finance so i think your point about uh, it's 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 risk based on uh, on the amount of money you're prepared to put in to buy something. So um, you might put two grand in if it's something amazing, but not many people would do. And these kind of products at 100, 150 pounds um, are quite tempting because it's it's not a huge amount of money to lock up for something that is really funky. Um, but I was reading. I mean, they they make quite a big deal in their video that the last one, um, the craft, they shipped a thousand of them within three minutes of the Kickstarter campaign closing. And it's that reliability of like, I am going to get this thing. You can't, I probably can't stand up and wave a flag and say, I'm Dominic Hawkin and I've made this I thing. I think it was three it's months actually, great. not three minutes. Oh, was it within yeah. three minutes? Oh, okay. Yeah. Slightly I mean, different, they, they, but still, you know, that's, that's what they say, said that's they were incredible. Going. 
That's what they oh, said they were going to do. I have, yeah. to re, I have to re-look at the video because it sounded very much like... Uh, I mean, it's, anyway, but the point is you've got this. It's a bit like the Amazons and the Ebays. You, you end up with... Um, if it's a reliable supplier with a, with a track record, then really they have absolutely nothing to lose. They're always going to price it in such a point where it's going to be fulfilled. The embarrassment comes if they did something and they didn't they didn't hit the target money, really. And that's actually sort of brand damaging. But you can't really fail with this one. I think I think from your your, your point about retail, I mean, retail in this industry, for me, was mostly about going to try things out. You could go to somewhere and they had one of everything and you could check out your synth and you could annoy the people in the shop playing your synth riffs um, and then kind of try out the one you got. Nowadays, clearly, people just order stuff and kind of send it back if uh, if it's not right or go with YouTube reviews and that kind of thing. So the idea of having a retailer um, is sort of less relevant, sadly. I mean, what are you buying? You're buying returns, um, some kind of guarantee with local service um, and advice really um yeah and all of that is very valid but whether or not the retailers want to pay an extra 25 you know 40 percent sometimes in terms of retailer margin on that stuff it's it's i don't know it's just becoming very very irrelevant now i think it's very difficult yeah i mean i think that's that's it and you can see there's always going to be someone who's prepared to think well the bigger bigger numbers smaller margin and that's why we're seeing these uh, conglomerates yeah. of of uh, uh, i mean it was i think it was red dog in the uk that filed for uh Bankru- not bankruptcy but they went out of business and uh, you know mm. they were they were looking good you know so it's just every so the, the the people who've got their stuff together but in terms of this you know it is it, you have as long as you've got your thing together then you're going to be okay i mean the, the problem comes when you launch the kickstarter and the product isn't really finished and you've you, yeah. you've left some of the things that need to be done are the wrong things that you've left till later on, you know, so you got, you need to have as much of it done as possible so that really all you're doing is deciding things like, you know, maybe um, some of the OS issues, but if you've got actual core features that are going to, you're going to run into a stumbling block. Cause we've seen it loads of times, haven't we? With, yeah. with uh, products that just kind of go, I'm sorry, we're running, re- we ran into this mm. issue and that issue. And then it could be years and you still, I still get ones where I'm still getting emails from, from projects I've forgotten about like two years mm-hmm. ago. that's saying, this is our latest update, you know, and you just think, well, kind of, I feel for them cause they must be burning cash, but it's just, yeah. what can you do? The cord, the cord box are good. A good story, though, it's a, a good example of this, though, that the um, stretch goals, it was a very, it was really successful on Kickstarter and it, and it, and it reached its stretch goal of being like a, a super chord bot, which, um, which sort of doubled up on the knobs and made a colour screen. And, uh, of course, that meant that all of the designs that they'd done for the existing model were kind of, they almost had to go back to the beginning again uh, once the kind of Kickstarter was over. So they were that much further back in the process yeah. um, than they would have been. So, so yes, so that means that people have to then wait who've invested into it. But that, I guess, is the thing with Kickstarter, isn't it? The people who pay into a Kickstarter, you are going in with that kind of uh, caveat that uh, you may be waiting some time. Yeah, it's interesting. But anyway, I, I just thought, you know, I mean, yeah, it's great to know about the craft and I'm glad we got the, the first look at it. But it, the, the, the model itself is the interesting part. Um, I think I'm just going to quickly, because I did uh, rather cock up on the uh, on a, a word from our sponsor. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Synchro Arts. We've got a sale on till December the 16th. Uh, you could get uh, basically... 30% off Vocaline Pro, which is really useful for lining up and thickening vocals and backing vocals and doubling. 
you've got uh, 37% off Vocaline Pro 4, Revoice Pro, and Vocaline Project 3, which are various different uh, versions of similar technologies, but a lot of people absolutely swear by it. I forget now, um, um, somebody last week just sort of said it completely changed the project they were working on and just said it, it yeah, I think it was maybe Robbie just said it, it was... Uh, no, I forget. I, I, I'm, I'm misrepresenting. Just said that absolutely works. So if you want to check that out, go over to SyncroArts.com and uh, the sale's on until December the 16th. Right. Um, let's have a look. Uh, I'm going to do this one because I just think this is grand. So this is a new soft synth. There's a couple of soft synths this week. Actually, UVI have released uh, their model of the Voyetra 8 which is a very rare beast. I think it was an American polysynth, eight-voice polysynth, digital control and electronics. I saw one once in the studio, but I've never heard it before. And this is the... Uh, it has a very unique sound, which I hope I will display. It's a PXVA, eight-voice analog powerhouse. Uh, I think it is... 49 bucks, reduced from 79, so it's pretty reasonably close. And as we know, UVI... Uh, they, they license a lot of their technology to other people, like their filters and their core engines. Do a lot of really good stuff. So anyway, that's the idea. Okay, first question is, who has ever... I'm going to come to you first, Rich, because it's an American synth, right? The Voyetra 8. Did you ever get your hands on one? Yes, once. Once. <laughs> and, I've, and, I've been, and I've been around them a little bit more than that. Um, yeah, they were made in Long Island City, right across the East River from Manhattan in New York at Octave Plateau, and That's right. uh, they had a companion keyboard that was also available as a strap-on sort of thing. I think Edgar Winter may have actually used this thing briefly in his world, doing the strap-on keyboard stuff, and uh, it was an analog synth made on Long Island, you can say. Uh, it, it was a nice, nice product, had a unique sound, didn't sound like Oberheim or Roland or Moog or any of that. So it sort of took in its day a sort of almost, some might object to this, a second tier sort of polyphonic synth status, which believe it or not is also where the Korg PSs were kind of viewed in there. I mean, nobody could afford them anyway, and there weren't that many of them, but these were kind of the oddball second, and when I say second tier, I don't mean not as good, I just mean not as well marketed. Yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. So, so anyway, yes, I did come across them once or twice, I have played one once, and uh, and of course, programmable, Dominic, I don't know whether or not you ever got your hands on one, I remember, I, I think the only time I ever saw one, when, when, uh, Back in the days when we were, it was Tom's Diner was there, and we'd gone to America to work with Suzanne in her apartment and her studio, and the guy that was producing her stuff had a Voyetra, and I remember seeing it and go, "Ooh, I've never seen one of those before," and that was about the as far as I got. I never actually listened to her, and that was the closest I ever got to one. Never, never seen one in in real life. I mean, it sounds nice, doesn't it? Um, I'm a bit bored of of everything vintage being remade so you know what else can you find as long as it was made kind of 30 years plus away let's let's do that i mean yes it's great it's, it's something we've never heard it gives another flavor it gives another color I'm not actually knocking this uh this particular release but the uh but the absolute kind of fandom of anything vintage uh, has always lost a bit of sparkle for me, mainly because I bought most of that kit when it first came out, and some of it wasn't really that good. Um, <laughs> and some of it was great, you know. But I, well, I, I worked for 
the London rock shop selling synths, and and I know what we used to laugh at. Um, and the only one, the only one we got wrong was the TB three hundred three, which we used to have to kind of we drew straws as to who was going to demo that because it was so complicated. Um, but other than that, you know, it's it, just because it's vintage doesn't make it sound good. This is an interesting thing from a historical perspective. And actually, forty nine quid, it can argue the trouble with these things that like the thing that we just looked at, the Kickstarter, ninety nine pound, forty nine pound. They're just so easy to buy. And then by the time you look at this kind of big mass of little things all over the desk, you could have bought a move one. Well, perhaps, yeah. I think you'd need to save up a little bit more than that. I I've got a demo here, Gaz. This is this is on the yeah. UVR, and this is another classic example of what the French seem to be very good at electric. This is all that's here, Those sounds are really hip at the moment. They're, are they really in? It's like uh, Chromio, yeah, isn't with, it? And that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. super, super hip with it, with it, with the youngins. Uh, yeah, sounds that sounds great actually. Um, who was that? That was on the Voyager demo. Yeah, that's a chap called. Uh, that's PXV8 showcased by Lewis Kuka. Or Suka. Nice right. work, Lewis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, joy, uh, a new order you see, you didn't they, I think, uh, Voyatras. Is that right? Um, is that right? Oh, did they? Oh, ah, so, yeah. I did not know um, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were for a while as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. There's always been a, a little bit of a mystery, hasn't it, this? Um, I think there's lots of things that were quite ahead of its time, wasn't it? It was um, obviously digital controlled analog synth, um, like MIDI control of like every parameter. Um, yeah sort of a, quite a lot of sophistication really for its time so i think uh interestingly voyetra merged with turtle beach didn't they they uh, ah really so they ended up sound, so they ended up in sandblaster land and and didn't give <laughs> give a toss about synths anymore because they made so much money on cheap sound cards right <laughs> uh, i reckon yeah that's probably what happened but um so i don't know it's i think it's nice actually for this to 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 make a kind of return and um that's a good price point, though, isn't it? That's, that's really Yeah, nice. that does seem rude. You are absolutely right. You've obviously been on Vintage Synth Explorer doing your research, or you knew this anyway. I don't know. I, I'll. I'll uh, but th there's a. Th there is actually. If I play this, there's a great demo here by uh, uh, Doctor Doctor Mix. So this is him doing video because apparently uh, it was used on the Buggles uh, track. So let's see what it sounds like. Yes. It does sound quite nice actually when it gets going. But... Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, so he got. He got their, the UVI golden version, which. The... Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, you know, that's <laughs> classic 80s sound i suppose and i guess it was one of those things that you know programmable synthesizers i don't know how much it was to begin with actually i mean but anyway it's from uvi you can buy it now and that's kind of cool i guess uh, but yeah you're right about that dominic that cheap. Uh, sorry it, it wasn't it was cheap. cheap no it was not cheap. It, you know they had the cat and the kitten on the market as their cheaper monophonics and this thing was not cheap. it was at least a couple of grand wow okay 
You're very, very sure. dark, Rich. I'm almost unable to make you out, which is maybe the look you're going for, but it's it <laughs> it, it may not be. Oh, I just need, yeah, might just need to move. There we go. <laughs> Rich back in his uh, his full glory. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was kind of pricey, um, but. I guess the thing about it, though, must have been it was great for touring because it was rack mountable and mm. you, know, you could put a bunch of them together. Um, right then, um, so that's the Voyager 8 and the Dr. Mix. And, and yes, we've got another synth. So maybe this will sort you out, Don, because this is a new synth. This is the Artorias Pigments, which uh, there was a very uh, enjoyable... Let me see if I can find... It's getting very arty. And this this has two uh, synth engines uh, with, um, I think one's advanced wavetable and one is sort of triple analog oscillator. And some really interesting modulation stuff, actually, as well as it's got three LFOs and three envelopes, but it's also got these function generators, which are like mathematical transformation engines that can move along Bezier curves and sequences and sample and it's a really that's the thing that's kind of quite interesting all these kind of uh, sequences I, I actually got a copy of this um, I won't play the whole thing although I nearly did um, so Dominic okay so here's something new software does this talking. kind of get this 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 is something that gets you a bit more excited right yeah, it does. I mean, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with emulating stuff, but when you stop at the point where it's emulated, you're missing a whole trick. It's like the boutique SH-101 from Roland. You is you can, um, I think it's four voice uh, paraphonic or something, and you know, you can do extra stuff. Um, you can stick it into unison mode and it sounds better. So if you're going to make uh, a synth like that, then, you know, put in some extra stuff and the modulation on, on this sounds good. I have not played with it. Um, I checked it out um, on uh, some YouTube stuff, and uh, I really like the look of it. I really like the 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 user, the interface, the graphical interface that shows you um, the way that um, pretty much the LFOs and all those waveforms, what they're actually doing, which is brilliant. Um, and I guess would be a great thing to put on a whole bunch of VSTs now because there are so many modulation options now going around on some of these synths that it's kind of impossible to remember what's patched to where. Funny enough, the Deluge has a really good one where, you know, you, you, you hit a parameter and it will light up in its own way what is affecting that parameter, which is a good start. But but this is great. So you can see the shape of the waveforms, you can see what they're applied to, you can see their speed, and you can drag them around. So there's that really funky... Um, yeah, all along that weird... middle. You can't really see it there. It's not very clear on the... Yeah. Uh, I don't think. But the, all of that, there's a middle band, which is every single function in there has got a, a, a constantly updating window that shows you all of the modulation stuff, which is, I think, what you... Yeah, mean. that's right. And the... Um, the waveform along the bottom that you showed there as well, you can drag, you not just raise it up and lower it, you can you can move different points on that waveform and, that, and it'll move like this. So it's really good. It, it doesn't sound like the world's most earth-shattering synth on the market. It doesn't sound bad at all, um, but just the, the, the way that you can configure it and the way that you can use modulation, I think that's great. And there's nothing to stop people adding that kind of stuff into their retro vintage remakes to just give it an extra breath of life really um i was just trying to think it's rare to find a new plugin that isn't a remake that everyone jumps up and down and goes you know this must this must be a must-have plugin whereas you get uh this is a great emulation of the moog or this is a fabulous yeah. emulation of a whatever um and there was is it altiverb i can never remember that the amazing reverb plugin yeah is genuinely a new reverb plugin and there's things like diva which is kind of modeled on 
lots of different analog old synths anyway. Um, but I think it's about time that there was stuff like this with great user interfaces and, and that just make brilliant sounds. But the Apparillo actually was, was, was great. It's in the way that, you know, you, you, you press a key and you suddenly go, whoa, this sounds great. And you can get in there and slide things about and, and affect it, you know. And, and I think, so I guess my beef is not so much that everything's an emulation. It's just they never take it any further than emulating and going, gosh, doesn't that sound exactly like that keyboard you bought in 1978? Yeah, yeah, I um, see what you mean. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they they've got a bunch of sem, uh, different models in there. There's the sem filter model, which actually does sound really nice. Uh, mm. I mean, this is the. I mean, the, but it's, it's a fair point. Is I mean, we've talked about this before, like with Steinberg and Cubase. You know, there there are DAWs that sort of push ahead and push the envelope, and then some of those features and kind of concepts are then taken on by other people. And I wonder if that's what Artoria are aiming for here, because they made a big splash about the fact that this isn't an emulation. It's their first unique yeah. instrument. I don't know if it's ever, but for certainly a very long. I can't think of any other ones. I suppose Spark would have been, would have been the last time they mm. did something unique you know, that wasn't unique. an emulation mm. direct. Yeah, good point. I mean, you know, some of the kind of hyperboles are a bit yeah. full on, isn't it? This, that, that, and I, you know, and I always don't see the logic in that because it makes you kind of just go, "Come on, tone it down a bit." Um, you know, it's going to change the way you make music and all stuff like that. And it's like, mm, yeah, yeah. But um, however, you know, that's not to to say. I think it does look really good. It reminded me of a few things slightly. The interface a little bit reminded me a little bit of uh, Overbridge, the first version of Overbridge. Oh yeah, I know um, what you mean. Yeah. Uh, and also the other thing it reminds me a little bit of is um. Something that sort of slipped out a bit unsung, really, which is the uh, Korg Electribe Wave, which is an iPad-only app. And um, there's a few ideas which look slightly similar. I mean, they're you know, very different things again, but um, just some of the some of the ideas and some of the animations of the of the modulators and stuff. And also, um, when you're talking about being able to see what all the modulators are doing, uh, that did actually make me think about the um, the. That, that little panel on the Medusa, the um, Polyend oh, yeah, box yeah, yeah. thing, because that little that little panel is really informative. You've got five LFOs and five envelopes, and and just with very very simple animation, you can see what all all ten modulators are doing at any point. Um, very clever, very clever little uh, way of doing that. Um, yeah. But uh, but this, I haven't actually tried it. Yet. I'm a Oh god! I mean, I probably in a similar boat to many people in that I've got some. You know, I often mention something like, say, Omnisphere or whatever, and um, I always feel a bit guilty with Omnisphere that I've I've only ever used point nor point nor sorry not point nor nor four percent of of that software's potential. Um, you know, <laughs> so it's um, you know. You feel that you, in, if you were, if you're going to spend any more time with another instrument, you should go back to that rather just, than try it with somebody else, right? <laughs> a little bit. It's just going to add more to my. Uh, it's going to add more to my my guilt of like not more feeling stuff, I'm actually yeah. getting to the bottom of things. But however, as I say, you know, don't be too down on this. It does look really cool, and and similar to that um, waves. What was that new waves uh, synth? Uh, yes, the uh, uh, the the FM one. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's. This new, yeah, something new again, isn't it? It's a good, bit more... good, good interfaces, yeah, yeah, and new, uh, but yeah, but good, yeah, looks, looks, looks yeah. pretty decent. Excellent, Rich, you're looking like the Godfather now. 
<laughs> you look like you look like you, we, if we you could say something that like Al Pacino might say, and we'd all cringe and just say yes, boss, whatever. That's a very moody shot. I like that. Um, I don't know. Do, do you find that when soft sieves come out, you're kind of does it? Do, do you ever do, do you get excited about that sort of stuff? I mean, is this something that you kind of think oh, um, is it cool? I think it's interesting to see Arturia releasing a synth that's not an emulation of something else, and I'm equally into the fact that our dear friend Jamie Liddell is part of their marketing campaign and speaks very And I really haven't even heard it very much, so I don't have a lot to say about it per se, but uh, a cool software wavetable synth is welcome in my world, and I look forward to hearing it deciding whether I, they're giving it away for a limited period of time to use until mid-January. That's true, whereby yeah. I'm sure, whereby I'm sure they'll want your money or say goodbye. Um, and uh, on that same tip that uh, Gaz was just on, uh, simultaneous with the release of this was the update to Yuhi's Hive, which added Transwave uh, capabilities and a few other things as well, and apparently greatly expanded the sonic potential of that instrument. So they are sort of competing on a feature level with something that's a product designed to display that feature. So marketing-wise, it comes to be an interesting comparison. I really am fond of Yuhi's stuff very much. I like Arturia, and I use it as well. So I look forward to hearing it. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like Wavetable is being, is you know, people have been banging a Wavetable at us for ages and ages and ages. And maybe now it's becoming uh, a, a mm. thing that we can uh, we can certainly enjoy. Right, I'm going to quickly uh, have a little message from Isotope because now you could win a copy of RX7. RX continues to be the industry standard and leader in audio repair for music and post-production. And with RX-7, we've introduced groundbreaking new ways to quickly and easily fix and manipulate audio. Take the game-changing Repair Assistant, an intelligent helper that can detect noise, clipping, clicks, hum, and more. Also new in RX-7 is Music Rebalance, a powerful source separation tool. Drums too loud? Vocals not loud enough? Let's fix that. You can also create instrumental versions of songs by removing the vocal elements. You can now alter the pitch without affecting the timing of your audio, and conversely, alter the time without affecting the pitch with the new variable time and variable pitch modules. Using the new dialog contour, you can improve the performance of a line or even create a new performance by altering the pitch contour of the dialog, therefore adjusting the intonation of the speaker. And introducing Dialog Dereverb, a module powered by machine learning to reduce the presence of reverberations around dialogue. RX-7, a new frontier in audio repair. And of course, you can uh, get hold of that. We just go to isotope.com and download the 10-day free demo. Uh, speaking of demos, yes, Rich was right. The uh, the Artoria pigments you get to download for free and use till January the 10th, I think it is, or Ooh. I forget, it's something around, and it's totally free. Obviously, you'll get nagged and you'll probably have to buy it after that. But anyway, let's get on. We've got a competition, and uh, we have a competition this week. You can win a copy of Isotope RX-7. We're looking for the hashtag RXCanFixIt and the hashtag RX-7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. 
That is uh, via Twitter. So the hashtag RxCanFixIt as one word and the hashtag Rx7 to at Sonic State now at Ibsotope Inc. And you can check that out. Uh, and we'll announce the winner la- uh, next week. Also, we've got a winner from uh, from last week's show. And this is a guy called Ben, who is at Ben352533. Five seven zero, always a difficult one to. And he's actually uh, this is a bit of a challenge. I don't know if I'm going to get the time for this. It's uh, his happened to be. I challenge you, Nick and Gaz, to make a transcontinental track with me. I'll make and send the stems or MIDI, and you two could get inspired and make the mix. Intro and outro, twenty four hour limit. Challenge accepted. Uh, love the show. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have twenty four hours spare at the moment. But I don't know. Um, we'll we'll we may well get a touch. I don't know what you think about that, Gaz. It's, it's we're all a bit busy, but yeah, maybe maybe without the time limitation. We could do something. I like the time limitation. Um, but yeah, yeah, why not? That sounds like a laugh. <laughs> yeah, it could be fun. So anyway, yeah. Ben, if you want to get in touch, uh, Ben35253570, if you get in touch, um, you will be uh, have your prize delivered to you. Um, okay, right. Now, I don't know which one to go for next. Um, are we, I think we sort of have to have this. This is... Uh, the, the the legendary story, Eric, uh, Dave Bristow, I keep calling him Eric. Eric, Hello, of course, everybody. is a darts player. Legendarily, Dave Bristow uh, came up with the hundred and uh, came up with together with his colleague came up with 128 patches for the DX7. They thought they were doing 32, and they'd taken like months to do 16 each. <laughs> And they turn up in Japan going, yeah, it'll be all right. We'll have a couple of days to to voice them, get the levels right. And then the Japanese said, oh, um, by the way. We've got 128 memory slots, so can you fill them up? And they had basically a week. History about how that how that all worked back in the 1980s. There's a let me talk, talk for, for how FM operators contributed to. I'm just going to fast forward a couple it. of days in Japan to polish them. Here we go. And make the 32 sounds for the factory, which is what they wanted. Anyway, we show up, and I can remember that first meeting on Monday morning in the studio. Um, oh, Bristol San, uh, Luenberger San, we have news for you. Oh, thank you. What is the news? Uh, we have decided for 128 presets, not 32. <laughs> so, you know, my jaw, jaw drops. I've been spending months developing these 16 sounds for the DX7, the same with Gary. And uh, so we said, OK, you know, rolled our sleeves up. We better start now because they literally had to be ready by the end of the week. <laughs> that's such a classic and it's become legendary i've never actually heard it from his mouth he seems like a really nice chap but this sort of brings out a number of different things i think um a it's that gig you thought you had covered and it re- you realize you're so far away from what you thought you were doing and you only have two hours to get the penguins money in the immortal words of uh, the, the blues brothers I mean, they're always those kind of kind of gigs right I, i'm guessing gaz this must have happened to you in the past you know, you, you show up for one thing and you think you got it covered and suddenly it's something completely different. But hey, you know, oh, Dave yeah. Bristow and it's Gary Lundberg, you know, good good on them. That they were the first programmers who got dumped in that kind of doo-doo, right? <laughs> God, yeah. And I mean, I was thinking about this. It's, it's an interesting little interview, and um I was just thinking about just how influential that week has ended up being, or those few days have ended up being on the 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 entire sound of the 1980s you know <laughs> um like 
really influential if you think about how just how much the, those sounds just change the the, the sonic palette um but yeah god whew, it happens all the time I, I i i say yes to everything regardless of my abilities um <laughs> 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 so i'm always coming you know always oh no trying to figure it out um well some but, people thrive on that i mean that's fine I, you know, that's, yeah, yeah i think so i think you know when you have to kind of you know, you have to step it up and you have to get something done within a time frame. It sort of focuses you in in, in a way that uh, you know, gets that bit of the adrenaline, a bit of the intensity going, which is kind of good. And, uh, you, you know, you want to have that when you make it, especially in the creative in creative pursuits. Um, yeah, but go yeah, but I mean, I have I I have been caught out many times as well, though. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't. Always yeah, well, work. I suppose there's that. Um, uh, here's a little interlude. This the, the interview was actually for a chap called uh, uh, Cult Sounds. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Is it Emmanuel Brockhaus? I think he's called. And this is just basically this is the DX7 piano sound. There are other examples. So the DX7 1980 to sort of 1992, the number of songs that use the DX7 sound it peaked around 43 in 1986, as you. You can see that it was released, I think, 1983, 1984. So he's got all sorts of interesting factoids in there. But yeah, I don't know, Rich. I mean, you know, that sort of gig, a you know, good on them because that was must have been so unfamiliar. But yeah, that. Do you, are you a, are you a guy that likes to be prepared, or do you like that kind of jumping in at the deep end and seeing what comes out? I like to be prepared, and a tremendous percentage of my career has been involved in jumping in the deep end. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, you can only prepare for so much, and then if, then hopefully you've got a skill set that will allow you to deal with what comes. And, and, I mean, you know, I guess one way to put it is I work with a guy who I love dearly. Uh, there's this, a brand new album, a brand new Chic album that's just come out. It's 2018. There's a song on it that we started in 1998. Wow, okay. So you've, so I'm used to things not having a finite uh, conclusion as you're working on them and being in that sort of creative place of not having to finish one second before you think it's done. I don't know if that relates to your, your point, but that in my mind it does. So, uh, yeah, both prepare and then get ready because it's coming. Whatever it is, you don't know what it is. That, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, know, I don't know, Dominic, whether you have a, a similar. You know, I mean, you must have. You know, when you when we all started out doing session stuff and the gear was new, none of us really knew how it worked. So there's that bit when somebody says, "Can you do this?" I mean. It's the classic engineer thing, isn't it? Everybody, when they first go yeah. into the studio, they want the engineer to advise them and tell them what to do. Whereas the engineer is probably not going to do that. He's going to go, well, you could, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, they're very yeah, normal. Absolutely. Whereas sometimes you've I, got I, to be that person that just goes, yeah, all right, I'll do it. Let's go. Quite, quite. I mean, I bluffed my way in somehow when I very first started. I found myself engineering and producing a couple of kind of bands that I was sort of sort of musically directing I suppose in town and, and really not knowing I learned in the studio on other people's time effectively um and like my first time on an SSL I'd, I'd said I'd worked it before you know and I'd, all I'd done was watch a couple of other engineers using it and uh, just just kind of you've got to drop yourself in there really um I'm not sure how easy that would be this time it's a very peculiar set of circumstances and a lot of luck back then but um I mean I suppose 
Dave Bristow, very quickly. I mean, what a guy. I was just going to say the same as, as Gaz. Um, those, those, just, those sounds are quite incredible. I met him a couple of times. He did some Yamaha, did some demos for Yamaha on the DX7. And I remember he used to make a lot of use of external controllers, pedals. And um, they, they had this, I don't know if you remember, an orange, it looked like an orange, a squeezy ball, which was like a breath controller that used to plug into the front. Oh, there was a breath socket, I think, on the DX7, all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. And it was almost like, what, what's he going to bring next time? So he'd have three pedals and the breath controller, and you kind of expect him to have a kind of bagpipe interface on, underneath this arm or something <laughs> as he's playing this kind of stuff. Um, and the, the sound, because obviously he spent so long working on those sounds that all of the um, ways of changing those sounds, you know, after touch and all the rest of it, was, was what really was exciting him at that time. And I know a lot of those sounds that they did in the two weeks ended up in the first 32 patches it wasn't like this let's just add on a bunch after the 32 and I, and I think I like to be I like to be really organized and I definitely don't work very well when I'm really organized it's you know you've got to drop me in it and uh, it's the best creative stuff comes out when you've got to finish it you've got to send it off to the band or the A&R guy or the label certainly songwriting you start writing a song and you've got no deadline on it you'll end up finishing the 1988 song in in 2018 or whatever um when you've got a band that you're working with or an artist that you're working with that needs the album you know has only got 10 days before they're back on tour again and you've got to do a song a day you do a song a day and actually you know one or two of those can work out really well that's what i found anyway if you're in the, if you're up for it and you're in the mood actually forcing yourself to do something under pressure is a lot more creative um and you get that sometimes working with other people people who work writing songs solo and working on their own it's quite it's a good thing to do to go and find someone to write with because you spur off of each other a lot you know they'll force you to chuck away the ideas that you'd probably hold on to but aren't actually that good you know um but yeah yeah organized i think like like rich organized but but thrive on chaos really Mm, yeah, I think that makes a fair point that the, the concept, you know, so that you know how it works and where it is, but you just don't know what you're going to have to do with it <laughs> when the time comes. Because <laughs> sound design, sound design, though, is something that's difficult to get to. Um, like, I, I went, I, I went away to a studio for three days to design some patches for elect for Electron Analog Four, and I came back after three days, I think, with about sixteen patches, like feeling really kind of like like I'd done really terrible I wanted to try and get 128 patches in in the three days and I managed 16 and I was talking to my me you know, my good friend and legend that is Howard Howard Scar and I was telling him a story going no 16's good go in for three days you know um so it's just you know I I think in my naivety I thought that I could kind of get you know just like I'll do I'll create a base patch and then I'll create say 16 variants of that base patch. But then when you're trying to get that base patch working and you're working with the modulators and all the different things, you realize you just spent sort of half a day on that base patch. And it's like, okay, sound design is, uh, you know, I guess it depends what you want to do. Skill. I mean, the, I find the same thing because what I've started to do myself now is when I've got a synth in for review, there's a period where I have it sort of here and I just mess it. And if it's got pr memories, I save, 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 save. And then sometimes I go, oh, I've got nearly a bank of sounds there that could be of use to somebody. I'll give them away or whatever at some point. I never really get round to it. But I mean, I, I, I sort of feel like if, if a synth draws that out of you, then it's 
probably good. It's a good instrument, you know, even if not everything is super complicated, but if it just sort of takes you in a direction, you just go, oh, that, that's nice. I like that sound. And then you kind of tweak that sound for a bit longer and it turns into something else. And you always end up with, you know, squawk pad one, two, three, four, five, six, and they're all <laughs> a bit the same, then you probably could have just assigned some sort of macro to it to, to, to move between all of those sounds rather than have all of the mm. individual ones. But yeah, I mean, it's a sign of a good instrument that allows you to do that. But that's interesting what you were saying, Dominic, about the uh, controllers, because the DX7 was the only one with aftertouch, apart from the other ones. I mean, they, they dropped it down to the 21 and the 11 and stuff, and they didn't even have velocity, and they went to four mm. operators. So the actual performance mm. aspect of it must have been a really big deal. And and, and it's interesting, I, when I had the Reface here, I mapped, uh, Reface DX was just four ops, but I mapped it to one of the Behringer BCR rotary encoders, and, and I was able to do lots of mm. real-time stuff with the knobs. And it's not something you automatically think you would do with FM, but it actually is a really powerful tool specifically for FM because you can radically change the sound um, without, without you know, general generalised mappings. It's quite an interesting way of working, particularly when you're changing the harmonics and the blend between them mm. and the feedback, you know, so maybe maybe it didn't really get explored all that much, you know, and, and that's what he yeah. was obviously into, but it didn't, it didn't really end 100%. up being all that 100%. used. I mean, when you've, you've done that amount of, of work, and and you kind of you're playing the sound and no one's actually twisting them the mod wheel or or giving it the aftertouch or pushing the effects pedal or whatever um i'm sure the dx7 had a, had a breath input as well i could be yeah wrong. it did yeah i'm pretty it sure did, it yeah. So, and, and that you know no one ever did that right apart from apart from your man um it must be heartbreaking and you see actually omnisphere is good for that a lot of the patch names will be try the mod wheel <laughs> or, yeah. press harder on this you know because <laughs> there's so much work yeah. On the, yeah, exactly wait wait till the end you've got to stay till the end um so yeah it must it must be heartbreaking and and it's really only that that uh the the video that we watched with uh with the omnisphere guy with with his cs80 after touch going on that suddenly got me excited and all that you know reapproaching all these sounds that uh yeah yeah that, that i've got that, that that actually breathe life into these things as well so yeah maybe yeah, that maybe maybe uh, there's a shorthand for tracks as well so you could have a track which is kind of you know i really love you but wait till the second chorus <laughs> You know, you know, they're all, it's, like, it's like I know honestly, it's not all happening in the first eight bars. Wait till bar forty-eight; it gets really good like, then. You know, it's like clickbait for tunes. <laughs> That's a great idea. I like the sound of that. Um, yes, but it's good. It's jolly good, uh, jolly good fun. That whole uh, whole concept. I mean, I don't know, Rich. The whole FM thing is quite um, is quite impenetrable, and to think that he managed to pull all that off, it's just you know. In at that short period of time it is impressive they should give him an fme award ah oh, very good mm -hmm. you're, not familiar with, you're not familiar with the not familiar with the emmy awards i guess over there but, emmys uh, yeah emmys they go to yeah, don't yeah. emmys go to journalists i think it's a great idea yeah i think emmys go to journalists i'm not sure in fact actually speaking of which i i th there's uh yeah not speaking of which at all but i'm um, what I'm going to do is, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish up because I got this great video sent to me from uh, a chap called, now let me see, what's it called? Steve Learson. Uh, it's a Shaker Egg uh, Sonic Lab review and he <laughs> sent it to me yesterday. I mean, God knows where he finds the time and it's like a spoof. So it's basically him dressed up a bit like me but looking a lot more healthy and fitter doing a kind of spoof uh, Sonic Lab review and he, he posted that. I think it's, is it this one? 
Hello, we welcome to another Sonic Lab. I'm your host, Nick Bat. In all my reviews, I find a way to be both fair yet brutal. Today is a very... I recommend you watch that. I'll post a link to it in the, sh in the show notes because it, it's quite long. It's about, uh, well, it's two and a half minutes or so, but it, it's worth... It's a, it's fun. And he does mention PWM and he also mentions Sing Song Harmonics, so I'm very pleased. That. <laughs> so I don't know if that... Is, is that, have I, have, is that is, have I reached some kind of watershed in my career where I'm getting parodied? I mean, that feels... I think yeah. that's the first time where it's properly happened that somebody's gone to all of that effort, to be honest. But Have you been asked for autographs yet? Um, maybe no photo. Lots go. of selfies. Selfies. There selfies get happens. We get a lot of that gas, don't we? When we go to Super Booth or whatever, selfies. Yeah. You, you probably uh, get more actually. You're more. No. You're selfie worthy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, good, jolly good fun. Um, I'll stick a link to that in the show notes because, uh, 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 and, and I, I wanted to make sure that he knew that I wasn't offended in any way. You know, I actually think it's quite funny. So, um, mm. yes, jolly good. And well, in these times, it's nice to know that uh, we can laugh about some things because, frankly, there's absolutely nothing else to laugh about, <laughs> certainly in this country. But I won't go there. Uh, we'll we see what happens. Well, Sorry. We're going to have a look at that open deck thing, Nick, because that was oh, very Oh, did late. you want to see that? Uh, does anyone, well, it's just do we have time, Richie? Are you about to dock in uh, in Glasgow? Whereabouts are you? Oh, uh, we're stuck in traffic. I don't think we're anywhere near Glasgow. Good. You seem to be truck stuck in traffic where the signal's good as well, which is really perfect. So uh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, yo, yeah, I was wow, up for plate okay. reverbs as well. But, uh, up yeah, for plate reverbs. Yeah, it's, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, good. there's just so many topics. Maybe we can have one of those next week because it's that, getting on time-wise. All right, yeah, let's, sure. let's have a look. Um, I've got that here somewhere. Open deck. Right, this was um, literally a guy um, sent me the... Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, what's it called? Have I got to the wrong... Open deck. Here we go. I uh, Essentially, he's... Uh, See if I, he, he just emailed me earlier to say, can I advertise? And I said, oh, what's this product? And I looked at it, and essentially this is like a board, uh, a piggyback board that will go on uh, various Arduino products, and it's like it loads and loads of, they look like just sort of digital GPIO pins, which are just <laughs> pins that just kind of go plug uh, LEDs in or switches or knobs or faders or whatever, and it's got an operating system called OpenDeck, and it runs over uh, MIDI. So you plug it into your system and then you can configure all of the knobs and the faders and stuff that you've got connected to it, which you can hand solder and then, you know, stick on a plate and make them into custom MIDI controllers. And it's just a really cool idea. So uh, I'll flip through this. This is uh, if you go to Shanti Contr Shantia Controls, S-H-A-N-T-E-A controls.com. So this is the Open Deck platform. There are different ones. So you get... Uh, powerful you get a web configuration service and they've basically built all of these uh, midi uh, so for various people that you know customized uh, midi controllers there's one with a touch screen here and you can just program it up and it just goes on various different uh, arduino boards and there are there are different versions of them i'm just trying to think there's the open deck platform one which is the big one which is 149 bucks but you can get one for 45 or 50 bucks and it it, it struck me as a really good idea because i mean you don't need all <coughs> that much so, uh, soldering skills you could just kind of stick a load of knobs and faders together and configure it however you want and then sort of make it into a, a, a midi controller gaz i can see you were you were thrilled by this yeah, just again, just I, th I thought it looks, it's the accessibility of it really. And um, and the fact that it's just another step closer for people who want to 
who want to make something but are a little like like myself i suppose um but a bit scared to it just sort of seems to think you know look at it and go okay i could get my head around how i could actually do that um but yeah i thought i thought it was really good um I, i'm always really interested to see new ideas and anything that sort of makes the uh the, the creation of a new idea really easy i think it's brilliant because then it means that you, you spend more time on refining the idea and less time on having to do that annoying middle bit you know that's what this seems to do it seems to yeah make... you have to, there is a bit of figure out but um yeah bit of figure on usb out, yeah, midi sure. midi in and out 64 digital inputs for buttons and 32 inputs mm. for encoders 48 outputs with pwm support that's for uh, leds so you can fade uh rgb leds and 32 inputs for analog uh pots or fsrs i don't know what fsrs are but someone might know that it's kind of cool i don't know i am guessing dominic are you that kind of guy would you do that yeah 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 uh, i'm i'm definitely that kind of guy i love building that kind of stuff to solve things so so this here is sort of one of those inside it this is a midi through box but each of the outputs you can switch on and off the midi clock so if you're firing ah. off a whole bunch of little little sequences, like I've got um, a Mother 32s and stuff, as soon as you hit go on your master, everything fires off with the sequences. But with this, you can just stop the MIDI clock, and then if you start it again, it'll push it to the nearest beat or bar. So it's just a really easy way of starting and stopping external sequences. Um, and inside there is really the guts of what that guy's put together. So you have to know... Have you done it on Arduino or a Pi? It's a Teensy, which is like an Arduino. Yeah, yeah. So there's a thing called an Arduino, most people will know. It's a little computer board, um, really nice and embedded really fast. And there's a Teensy, which is like its brother. Um, and that's really geared towards MIDI. If you just plug one of them in, it becomes a MIDI device. So you don't have to write any clever MIDI stuff. But... In here, what you've got is a Teensy. I've had to write the code for it that routes all the MIDI through and, and filters out the um, the clock and stuff. And I like doing that stuff, but obviously, you know, it's not it's not something that everyone can do and it's not something everyone wants to do. So what this guy's done is he's taken the Arduino Teensy thing and he's done all the wiring and all of the configuration that allows you to get 64 inputs rather than the 28 or something that it comes with. He's done the MIDI interfaces so they're all isolated and ready to be called. Um, and all the hard work really. And also he's written what looks like to be a kind of web configurable thing in there that says, right, yeah. this pin, I'm going to connect it to a potentiometer and this is going to turn up and down the volume and that kind of stuff. So he really has done all the work and you're getting you're getting one of these really, but with all of the, the, the building blocks already in place. And it's really cheap and it's open source. So I was at one stage I was going to start kind of selling these things but there's no point now because that, that kind of stuff means everyone can do it um and really unless you're manufacturing these things at very high volumes you can't sell them for more than 40 or 50 quid tops i would imagine it's just it's just not worth it but it's it's brilliant now that the technology with arduinos and teensies is around that allows you to do this stuff which you just couldn't have done five or six years ago the the, the processes on there are, are fast enough not to you know hinder any of the midi no latency really they run off batteries if you want it's it's phenomenal um, yeah, and you can, you can, yeah, full marks, absolutely full marks. He's done all the work. What they really do need um, is a case. If someone can build a, a decent case um, that will allow you to put five pin dins in, just a little bit, because I've had to drill, drill this, you know. Yeah, um, no, that's a there isn't there stuff. isn't a bog standard case that allows you to put an Arduino in and say, you know, ten or fifteen connectors on it. Because you could drop down to those little jack-style MIDI sockets if you wanted to. But that's that's the problem, you know. And by the time you spent a tenner on a case and drilled it, you're like, I don't ever want to do that again. 
No, so. uh, no, that's a nightmare drilling holes in cases. I can, I can thoroughly. Yeah, I, uh, I think the, um, I was going to say something there, which we completely lost. Uh, what I like is, even after all this time, there's still a new product and sort of micro economy around the MIDI standard. I think that's absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know, Rich. Yeah. It, it, could you could you see yourself kind of having something like this made for your live setup where you could just go, ah, this would be very useful for, you know, I could just have this little box that would do stuff that I need to be done. Or are you not that guy? Yeah, are if, you... it was built, if it was built by somebody other than me, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You're not the DIY uh, maker. It... Not really. No, okay. Not really. Hmm. Fair dues. I, I sort of am, and I love doing that sort of stuff. And like I said, yeah, I bet... and I, no, I respect the fact that people are, and I like doing it when I do do it. But generally speaking, no. It's time, I suppose. I mean, think the, the thing the thing about it is, I mean, it, it's like an extension of the concept of you know when you're trying to get your studio set up right. It's like an extension of that workflow thing. You're essentially invent, inventing stuff on the hoof, and you kind of just want it to to work. I mean, I do like I say, I was talking to Dom about this. You know, these little pies. You know, I get I write them to do various bits and bobs, and they're just really flipping useful for all sorts of stuff. So uh, yeah, makes. I like the idea that you could get one of these and, and just build your own MIDI controller. And I don't think it would be that difficult. I mean, you'd have to sort the power out and a few other things, but I think everything else is pretty much there. So, yeah, good shout, Gaz. I think that's worth mentioning because, he, like I said, he was interested in advertising and it's so niche that it's probably more interesting just to talk about it and go, this is what you could potentially do with it. So I'm going to just plug it one more time. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Shantier Controls, so S-H-A-N-T-E-A controls.com and it's the open deck if you look for the open deck uh, build custom midi controllers with ease there we go how's that that'll do right i i think we're probably due uh due to finish up so next week like i say is next week's the last one before christmas then we're back on the uh 2nd of january so we're just missing one show this week uh at this this christmas so i hope if if you can't join us next week you'll all enjoy uh your christmas period whether you're celebrating that or just taking a break and don't forget if you want to enter to win a copy of isotopes rx7 uh, we're looking for the hashtag rx can fix it and the hashtag rx7 to at sonic state and at isotope inc and also don't forget uh, we got synchro arts uh, 16 uh, 16th of december for those final deals vocal line pro 4249 revoice pro 419 and vocal line project 399 bucks Right, guys. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Rich. I don't know where you are now. I was hoping we might, we might see a road sign going past. Do you know where you are in the world? How far have you travelled up? Have you passed anywhere of significance no. that you've spotted? I guess you're not facing in the right direction. On the motorway. <laughs> well, Rich, I, I think you're breaking up, but it's been lovely to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and have a great uh, uh, gig in Glasgow and uh, and beyond. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks. See you soon. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thank you very much. Also, Gaz Williams. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you again in person soon. So uh, um, I hope um, the traffic's not too bad. <laughs> well. <laughs> I felt so confident going into that sentence and then I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, um, I, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this evening. I think I'm going to have a session, uh, like a Skype session with the uh, the Noodler guys. Uh, I don't know, behind me, I don't know, if, let me see if you can see the little rig. 
Oh, behind me there. Oh, I've got the noodler in the middle of that setup now. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to actually have a little Skype session with the guys and we're going to go over some of the, 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 some more of the features of it. And um, I've been mentioned it. I mentioned the noodler last week and it's just something I'm having an awful lot of fun with. And I, it hypnotized me yesterday. I swear it, it, it was. Did you get into modular time? everything was just so beautiful and the way it was all evolving and the way that we had the LFO, the LFOs were kind of changing the, the, the chord steps and everything that was happening in, in this really lovely way that I just, I couldn't, I was just like, I was just kind of frozen, but I didn't want to stop it. <laughs> I must've listened to it for about an hour. So it was um, <laughs> really, really cool. So good. I'm right. quite excited about that. Right. Excellent. Well, yes. I'm glad you well, enjoyed you that. Very much. Uh, you're Happy welcome. holidays to everybody. And yeah, see you next time. And also, uh, Dominic, uh, thank you for joining us too. Nice to see you. Thank and, you very uh, much. To see your mood lighting in such full effect in the studio. Very nice. <laughs> I'll see what I can find for next time. Right. Okay. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you all uh, next week if you can make it. Take care now. Bye. Cheers.